Give Jesus some praise. Come on. Is he good? Did you get snowed, uh, snowed in? <laughs> Did you get plowed out? Did you get buried, uh, buried out? What am I saying? I tell you what, uh, I'm glad you're here. How's that? Uh, welcome to the Refuge Church. My name is Adam Harold, and maybe you're here because your church canceled service this morning. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for being here. We are crazy enough to be open today for at least one service, right? Um, we really prayed about what, what God would have us do, and uh, we just felt like, um, you know, one service would do, and here we are, and I'm so glad that we chose to do this, and thank you so much for being here today. Today is special because we are beginning 21 days of prayer, and um, so for the next 21 days, January 7th through the 27th, we will meet here at the church at 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. on Monday through Friday. Then, not, then Saturday, we'll meet at 9 a.m., and on Sunday, we'll meet at 8, 9.30, and 11. And so um, 21 days, all designed to intentionally seek God together, collectively, as a, as a church. And um, every week, we're going to post a prayer, uh, a prayer focus. So um, at the beginning of the week, we're going to give you the prayer focuses for each day. And um, today's prayer focus, so this week, week one, we're focusing on who God is. And as we focus on who God is, this morning our prayer focus is the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. Psalm 135.6, I'm going to read it for you. It's not going to be on your screens, but Psalm 135.6 says this. It says, the Lord does whatever pleases him throughout all heaven and, the, and earth and on, this, on the seas and in their depths. God does what he pleases. That's what sovereignty means. That God does what he pleases, but he does what's best. And so this morning, we're going to begin 21 days of prayer by praying together and just by acknowledging the sovereignty of God. Can, can, we, can we pray? Would you bow with me as we pray? Father God, I thank you so much that you know what you're doing. Lord, that, that sovereignty just tells us, your sovereignty tells us that you know what you're doing in our lives. Father, with, with snow, with, with rain, with sunshine, you know what you're doing. With catastrophe in our lives, you still know what you're doing. With joy in our lives, you definitely know what you're doing. Lord, I pray that it's in the joyful times that we would know that you are God and that you are sovereign so that in the terrible times, we would know that you're good and that you're sovereign. Father, we acknowledge who you are. And for the next 21 days, Father, and for, for the next seven days, we just want to worship you. So God, we thank you for who you are, because that's where we must begin. We must begin with who you are. And when we discover who you are, we'll discover who you made us to be. 
God, I thank you for that truth. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. So for the next 21 days, if you want to join us, now, if we have weather, which never happens in Maine, um, but if we have weather, we'll post on our website uh, and on our social media um, that uh, is postponed for, the next, for that day. And, um, but also, one of our family churches that we're a part of, um, that, so we started our church with an organization called ARC, and um, they started a church called Church of the Highlands out of Birmingham, Alabama. And you can, um, every, so if 6 a.m. is too early for you, for us, then at 7 a.m., because we're in, on the East Coast, they're on Central Time, they actually post their service online live, and then they, they leave it up for the entire day. It is 21days.churchofthehighlands.com. So um, also, one last resource for you is the Pray First app. If you don't have the Pray First app, so just go into any Google Play Store or Apple Store, um, the, the App Store, um, and just type in tw- uh, Pray First. Uh, and that has so many resources. One of my favorite ways to pray, we'll probably pray it tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., it's called the Tabernacle Prayer, and it's when you walk through the stations of the Tabernacle, and it's just, it is such a great way to seek the face of God. And so, um, Pray First is a great, great resource. It's a, the Tabernacle Prayer is a part of that app. Whew. All right. I'm ready to, to, to preach. I'm ready to, I'm actually ready to teach this morning. My, my heart this morning is to teach you. Um, we're beginning a series this morning called It Is Written, uh, Revised Edition. And the reason it's the revised edition is because this is really, It Is Written 3.0. And the reason it's 3.0 is because this is the third time that we've done this series. The first time we did it in the high school, when we met in the high school. Um, the second time we did it um, when we were online, which is one reason why we didn't cancel any service this morning, because we did church online enough. We, didn't, we don't need to go back to doing church online. And so um, it was available on that, but I have revised it. I've rewritten it, restructured it, and this morning I want to ask the question, can I trust the Bible? And so maybe you're here and you think, I just can't trust the Bible. Hopefully you, you learned something today that will help you realize that, that the Bible is a book. If any book in the world can be trusted, it's this book, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. And um, maybe you know someone. Maybe God allowed us to meet at 9.30 so that we can post um, our message online later on so that you can send this message later on. It'll be available on our website, uh, refugemain.church slash messages. Um, maybe you want to share it with someone after, after it's done. Um, maybe it'll be terrible and you're like, I never want to hear that again. I don't know. Um, hopefully not, right? You dug out of the snow to get here. I better give you something worth we're digging out of your snow for, so um, I'm going to do my, do my best. Um, this is a four-week series. Four-week series. Week one, we're going to talk about questions, right? We all, sometimes we have questions about God's Word. Next week, we're going to talk about revelation and how it's the Spirit of God that reveals truth, and we're going to talk about, about how we need revelation 
If we're going to trust the Bible, I'm not going to preach next week's message today, but if we're going to trust the Bible, we need the Spirit of God to reveal it to us that it's true. And a lot of the reason why people can't quite get to the point of realizing that it's true is because the Spirit just hasn't revealed it to them yet. So we have to pray and ask God to reveal truth to our friends that doubt, right? And hopefully this message can help us um, help this. I'm not, I'm not going to help the Spirit. The Spirit's going to help me, and he's going to reveal truth to you, right? And so we want, next week we'll talk about Revelation. This week, um, I'm sorry, in three weeks, I'm going to get there, guys. I promise you. I've got snow fog this morning. Anybody else have snow fog? Is snow fog real? Did I just invent something? Um, I just invented something. Week three, we're going to talk about how the Bible is the solution to all of our, our issues, all of our problems. And then finally, week four, we're going to talk about the foundation that we have to build on. So week one, questions. This morning, I want to give you permission to ask questions about the Bible. If there's any book that can answer your questions, it is the Word of God. If God's word is God's word, it can answer your questions. Hopefully today, the Spirit will use me to answer some of those questions. But it leads me to today's big idea. And the big idea for today is this. When we question something, it reveals a determined heart. But when we ask questions about something... It reveals a teachable heart. Notice what I didn't say when I gave you permission. I didn't give you permission to question God's word. I gave you permission to ask questions about God's word. When we question something, it reveals that our heart has already determined that we don't need it or that whatever it is that, we, that we've determined about that thing. But when we ask questions... It reveals a teachable spirit, a teachable heart. So I'm just going to ask you to have a teachable heart today. To have a teachable heart, especially when it comes to God's word. Don't have a determined heart. Have a teachable heart because they're different. Do you understand the difference? We must approach God's word as it is a teacher can, can you imagine if your kids approached their teacher the way some people approach God's word? Let me just say, sometimes we can, we can have a determined heart, and it's even in favor of the Bible, right? It, like, we determine that it's true, so we're going to force it on our kids, or we're going to force it on our friends, on our family, Right? And now listen, if there's anything you can force on your kids, it's the Bible. Right? Some people might tell you that I force my kids, the Bible, on my kids. My kids won't tell you that. Right? Because it's all about the approach and how you do it. But having a determined heart is, is bad on both ends. Do you, are, do you understand what I'm saying? I feel like I'm, I'm just starting to get out of the snow fog. So... I'm going to start preaching when I read 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. You can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. All of today's notes 
are available there. But before I read, I want to ask the Father specifically to reveal truth to us today. Can I do that real quick? Father, I thank you. I thank you for these people that have been determined to come to church this morning. But Lord, in their determination to come to church, I pray that you would teach them that a teachable heart is what we need. Father, I I pray that your word would reveal truth to us today, that you would teach me as I teach these amazing people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, all scripture is inspired by God, is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Can I just point out real quick, that's why so many people hate the Bible, because it points out the things that are wrong in our lives. Verse 7, I'm sorry, keep reading. Um, it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do is right. What to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. If you have a determined heart, you've already determined that the Bible is useless. The Bible won't help you because you've already determined that it's useless. Pastor Adam, all you've done is tell me to be teachable, but yet you haven't told me why the Bible can be trusted. Can I just point out real quick that that's the way a lot of churches and a lot of parents teach their kids about the Bible? That we just tell them, you just need to trust it, but we never teach them why it can be trusted. So this morning, for the rest of my time, I hope to be able to teach you why you can trust the Bible Not just be teachable, but why it's worthy of being teachable. I have to approach God's word as teacher, not as as dictator, right? It's not going to dictate me what to do. It's going to teach me what to do. So this morning, I've got four reasons the Bible can be trusted. Four reasons the Bible can be trusted. I'm going to start with my favorite one because it's the one that the Bible is attacked on the most, in my opinion. Number one, the number one reason, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Number one is it is scientifically accurate. The Bible is scientifically accurate. Now, some of you just went, really? Right? Because you're like, that's not, what I've, that's not what I've been told, or that's not what I read on the internet. Or... But the Bible is scientifically accurate, and here's what I want to say about that. Anytime the Bible talks about science, it has always proven to be true. It never contradicts itself scientifically. When it talks about science, scientific things, it never proves itself to be untrue. And now listen... I'm not talking about evolution, even though I believe in creation. I'm not talking, I'm not even talking about the theory of evolution. I'm talk, I've got three examples of scientific things that have been proven to be true that the Bible addressed long before it was proven to be true. The first one, probably one of my favorites. Example number one is the flat earth 
theory. Now, and if, if you're flat earther around here, I'm sorry. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach flat earth. Now, we all know the story of Christopher Columbus, right? Christopher Columbus set out to prove that the world was, world was flat. But in fact, the world is round. It wasn't until 1492, just around 500 years ago, that they discovered that the world was round. But 2,600 years ago, Jeremiah wrote, and I'm sorry, Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, that God sits above the circle of the earth. He didn't say that God sits on cardboard. He doesn't sit on the flat earth. He sits on the circle of the earth. And that was 2,600 years ago. The word circle there in Hebrew, it, it means sphere, right? And it's where we get the word globe from. That's why, we call the, that's why we call maps of the world globes, because they're circle. They're, they're, they're circular, the Bible taught long ago that the world was round, and yet people still believed that the world was flat. Example number two. It was a common belief before, uh, before the, the Bible was, was really in print. It was a common belief that the earth had to be held up, right? Any of you um, see pictures of Atlas, right? The Greek god that held up the earth. The reason, so, so the Greeks believed that Atlas held up the earth. This one really amazes me. That Hindus, during the times of the Bible, believed, listen to this, people actually believed this. Are you ready for it? They believed that the earth was held up by an elephant that was held up by a sea turtle, which stood on the back of a serpent that swam around the sea. People actually believed that. That the Egyptians believed that the earth was held up by five pillars. Now, this is what amazes me about what the Egyptians taught. Moses, you know Moses, wrote the Ten Commandments, also wrote five other books of the Bible, right? Moses, do you know, so do you know who raised Moses. Pharaoh's daughter, right? Pharaoh was the Egyptian king. Moses went to Egyptian school that taught that the earth was held up by five pillars. But yet when Moses wrote the five books of the Bible that he wrote, there's nothing in the Bible about five pillars. You know why? Because Moses wrote what God gave him to write, not what he was taught in school. Because the word of God is inspired by God, not by people. Job, which is the oldest book of the Bible, which is why if you're reading the Bible recap with us, we're reading the book of Job right now. I think this morning we started in Job chapter 15. By the way, if you're, I'm going to get there this morning, right? But if you're not reading the Bible this year, like maybe, maybe you don't have a desire to read all of the Bible. That's okay. Start with something. But this is why I'm a big advocate of the YouVersion Bible app. 
because it has plans that you can that you can pick. Just pick a plan, right? And have a plan that you're going to read the Bible every day. We as a not as a collective church, but like we as a church, we really promote the plan, the Bible recap, because it's chronological, which is why we're reading the book of Job right now, because the jo- Job is the oldest book in the Bible. And so we read part of Genesis, the creation story, then we, then we read about the flood and how God destroyed the earth, and then we read about the Tower of Babel, and right after the Tower of Babel, you got the book of Job. And so we jumped in the book of Genesis to the book of Job. Now, we're reading Job, and we're going to get to Genesis later. But it, just read something. Learn something about God's word. Job 26.7, when it talks about the, um, the earth, it says, God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing This was written way before they believed that Atlas held up the earth. If they just read the Bible, they would have known that the earth hangs on nothing. Example number three, my last example, and it's pretty pretty funny too. They're all funny to me. But before the Bible was written, it was believed that the number of stars could be counted. People actually believe that you could count the stars in the sky. There is a guy by the name of Hipparchus in 150 BC. He counted the stars. Guess how many stars? Guess how many stars he thought there were? 1,022. He thought that there was 1,022 stars, and actually published his findings. Right. But then, 300 years later, a guy by the name of Ptolemy, Ptolemy considered, who is still to this day considered an, a, a genius when it comes to astronomy. He said that he counted the stars, and Hipparchus was off by four, <laughs> that there was 1,026 stars. And he published his findings. But if they would have just read Jeremiah chapter 33, they would have known that 2,600 years ago, Jeremiah writes that the stars in the sky cannot be counted. They can't be counted. And it seems like today they're adding a star daily, right? They're adding a planet daily. They're discovering new stars in the sky. Stars cannot be counted. Reason number two that you can trust the Bible. So the first one is it's scientifically accurate. Number two, the Bible has withstood the test of time. The Bible has withstood the test of time. Now, before we talk about its survival, we have to talk about why it's attacked. Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3 that we read this morning teaches us that it corrects us, right? It teaches us what's wrong. So I believe that that's one reason why it's attacked, but the ultimate reason why it's attacked is because there is an enemy that wants to destroy you. And as he seeks to destroy you, he seeks to destroy the God that made you, but he's no match. 
And so he's going to always try to destroy the Bible in your, in your life. He's going to allow things to happen that make you go, see, I told you that book was, was, was false. I told you that wasn't true. But let me encourage you, anytime you read something in the Bible that you question, ask yourself, why does it say this? Don't ask yourself, um, you know, don't ask yourself the question of, but, but I've, always, I've always believed this. Why, like, ask yourself, why does it say what it says? What is it trying to teach me? Dig into it. Don't, don't just write it off. The Bible has withstood the test of time. There are countries that have flat out banned the Bible, like North Korea. There are countries that have just restricted the Bible, like Saudi Arabia. But yet the Bible remains the most sold book in all of history, with over 5 billion books ever sold. It's the most sold book in all of history. Nobody is able to stop the word of God. You can't stop it. If scripture really is inspired by God, if it really is God-breathed, no one can stop it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 through 25. As the scripture says, people are like grass. Their beauty are like a flower in the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And the word is good, good news that was preached to you. In the 1700s, there was a genius by the name of Voltaire. Voltaire, in fact, is still considered to have been a very smart man. Voltaire was a French Enlightenment writer, historian, philosopher, famous for his wit and his attacks on the established Catholic Church, his advocacy for freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and separation of church and state. Voltaire was so cool, he only had one name, right? He, he was noted as saying... <laughs> that within 100 years, the Bible will be forgotten. I think the only thing that's been forgotten is that quote, right? In fact, if you want to know God's sense of humor, the house that Voltaire lived in in France is now the home of the French Bible Society. God's funny. People have tried to, to stop the advancement of the Bible. People will always try to stop the advancement of the Bible. But the word of God lasts forever, and it never returns back false. It's, it never comes back void. So, number one, scientifically accurate. Number two, it, it's withstood the test of time. Number three, the Bible is historically accurate. It is historically accurate. Mark chapter 13, verse 31 says, Heaven and earth will disappear, but the words of God will never disappear. Now, historians believe that in order for something to be seen as historically accurate, it has to stand up to three different ideas. 
three different tests. The first test is the eyewitness test. It cannot be a hearsay story. It has to be an eyewitness. Someone had to have seen it, which is why Moses doesn't write the story of the parting of the Red Sea as a hearsay story. As, hey, someone told me that long ago that the people of Israel were running away from the Egyptians and God parted the Red Sea. No, Moses witnessed that. Moses was a part of that. So the people that write about the books don't write about them, or don't, that write the 66 books of the Bible, don't write them as eyewitnesses. They write them as having seen them. The second test is it had to be recorded and copied with extreme care. Now, this amazes me because God interested some of the most meticulous people to record the Bible, to write the Bible. I don't know if you know this, but Jewish people wrote the Bible, right? And so God used Jewish people who are very meticulous with their recording. They've always been very meticulous. That's why the book of Leviticus is so boring to read. Because it's done with great care and precision. Because the Hebrew people would do so so meticulously. In fact, Jewish scribes had a standard that no one else has ever had to ascribe history. They didn't even ascribe it word for word. They did it letter by letter. When the transcribed, when they transcribed the first five books of the Bible, known as the Pentateuch, they knew that the middle, they knew what the middle letter of each book was for all five books. When they were done transcribing it, they would count in both directions, and if the middle letter didn't add up to what they had said it was, they would throw the whole thing away. The myth of it changing every time someone writes it just is not true. Not to mention that the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were discovered in the 1940s and 50s, when they found it to be and compared it to what would have been the original writings, it all matched to a T. It was perfect. Because there was such extreme care in writing it, so it's historically accurate. Um, sorry, historically, to be historically accurate, it has to have eyewitnesses have been recorded with and copied with extreme care. And the third test was it had to have archaeological confirmation. I just recently discovered a YouTube channel known as Expedition Bible. If, you, if you're going to get lost in YouTube this week, Listen, today is snowing. You're going to go home. You're going to put on your comfies and you're going to start the fire. Get on YouTube and watch Expedition Bible because it'll blow your mind. Expedition Bible recently discovered where they believe Sodom and Gomorrah was. They did it based on Genesis chapter 13. So get on Expedition Bible, write, uh, watch the, the video about Sodom and Gomorrah, and read Genesis chapter 13. It'll tell you how they found it. 
But the reason they think they found it, the reason they believe they found it, is because they found a ton of sulfur balls. Balls of sulfur. Meaning that they, they, they found these balls, they lit them on fire, and they burned. The reason, so, this, this blew my mind, and it's in the video. The, re, the, the only way that sulfur is, um, is preserved is if it falls in water. So in part of the Dead Sea that has receded, they found the sulfur there because the only, do you understand? Because if sulfur hits the ground, it's going to continue to burn, and that's why the whole, the whole city was destroyed. But if, the, if the, the balls of sulfur fell in water, then it would, they would, the fire would go out. And so they discovered the sulfur balls where they believe Sodom and Gomorrah was. They continue, that's why they can have a YouTube channel, because they continue to find archaeological facts that prove the Bible is true. The Bible is historically accurate. Finally, number three. So just a quick recap. Number one was um, that it's scientifically accurate. Number two is that it's withstood the test of time. Number three, it's historically accurate. And number four, this is probably the most important. The Bible possesses The Bible possesses transforming power. The Bible will transform your life. And the truth is, it's not the book that transforms you. It's the God of the book that transforms you. Because he inspired it. He wrote it. This is his word. This is his playbook. If you want to know why or how things in life happen, it's here. It'll transform you. We're at the beginning of a year. We're a weekend. Let me challenge you this year. You can go back seven days if you want to. But start today with 15 minutes given to God. Five minutes of worship. Five minutes of reading. Five minutes of praying. That will transform your life. Say, Pastor Adam, I'm not, I'm not sure I know how to worship. Well, Spotify has a lot of worship on it. There's so many resources. Just turn on some music, some worship music. Listen to it on your way to work. You can take 15 minutes on your way to work and give God that, that time. Now, don't read on your way to work. But put on worship music. Then at a stop sign. We want, to be, we want you to be safe. On a stop sign, at a stop sign, put in the Bible app, go to the book, and hit play. Guess what? It'll read it to you. It's amazing. 
It transformed my, my world when I realized that if I listen to the Bible and read the Bible at the same time, it does the same transforming. It doesn't water it down. Five minutes of worship, five minutes of reading, five minutes of talking to God. It'll transform your life. How do I know that? Because John chapter eight, verse 31 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In the new international version of the Bible, it doesn't use the word remain faithful. It uses the word holds on to. If you hold on to my word, the problem is if you don't have a teachable heart, you've already rejected it. If you have a determined heart, you already determined that you're not gonna hold on to it. But if you have a teachable heart, you're saying, God, I'm gonna give you a chance. Just give God a chance this year. That's all he asks. Stay in your feet, I wanna pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm so glad you dug yourself out of the snow to come to church today. I hope you are. But I, I hope that it's not a waste. I hope that you didn't waste your time today. I hope that you heard something that you're gonna take with you. Because there's power in the name of Jesus that can be found in his book, the word of God. But it does absolutely nothing if you have already determined that you're gonna reject it. We wanna help you. So we're gonna open the doors to my right, your left, our, our next steps. If you have questions, head on over there. But if you need to start by just giving Jesus your heart and saying, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that you're there. And I know that I need you. Come into my life, make me new, and show me who you are. If you do that this morning, God will transform you from the inside out. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Lord, that the psalmist wrote and he said that the word is alive and active. It's quicker than any two-edged sword and it pierces my soul and spirit. Father, it's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And I will hide it in my heart that I will not sin against you. God, I pray that your word would be our, our guide for 2024 as we go into all the world and preach the gospel. Father, thank you for today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing one more song and then we'll be dismissed and go uh, dig yourself out of snow. Love you.